Better? Better? Good. Um, let's pray. Father, I want to confess that my brain is pretty scattered and I'm all over the place and um, I either haven't trusted you enough or have not enough caffeine or something. Anyway, I just pray that you would speak tonight, that your voice would be heard, that all other voices that would distract us from you would be silenced, and that we would hear um, your word, that you would speak to us. Father, thank you that you brought us here for whatever reasons. Um, thank you that this community um, is a community that's built around you and the good news of what you've done through Jesus. Um, help us to listen and to hear you speak. In Jesus' name, amen. I, uh, <clears throat> we're, we're going through the village values, and when you, uh, we've been doing that for the last few weeks, and, and now uh, tonight we're talking about authenticity. And authenticity is a value that's really um, something that's near and dear to me. And, um, and so I wanted to make sure when I talked about it that I could just speak authentically. And, and so I, um, during this week, I was, I was talking to Mark and he was talking about how next week he's going to be talking about accessibility and so that when we get together next week we could maybe talk about the value of accessibility. And, and he said, you have authenticity, right? And I said, well, you know, one hopes. And, and then, and then, um, this morning Eric was talking about, um, the passage that I've chosen to speak on tonight. And he said, oh, I use that passage to speak on accessibility before. And I said, oh, that's great. And then later he said to me, uh, you are going to prepare a, uh, something for the kids to to do and to read and to answer and, and has the scripture right. And I said, oh, yeah, good idea. So I prepared a sheet for them tonight entitled Accessibility. Because that's how my brain works. Authentic authenticity is what we're actually talking about tonight. I thought about going home and reprinting them all so I could look good, and then I decided, no, that's not who I am. So, um, so tonight we're talking about authenticity, even though the kid sheet is entitled accessibility. Second Corinthians six three through thirteen. I'm just going to read it again. We put no stumbling block in anyone's path, so that our ministry will not be discredited. Rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in troubles, hardships, and distresses, in beatings, imprisonments, and riots, in hard work, sleepless nights, and hunger. Note the shift here. In purity, understanding, patience, and kindness, in the Holy Spirit, and in sincere love, in truthful speech, and in the power of God, with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left, through glory and dishonor, bad report and good report, genuine yet regarded as impostors, known yet regarded as unknown, dying and yet we live on beaten and yet not killed, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, poor yet making many rich, having nothing and yet possessing everything. We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians, and opened wide our hearts to you. We are not withholding our affection from you. 
but you are withholding yours from us. As a fair exchange, I speak as to my children, open wide your hearts also. Authenticity. The village values are values that I love and cherish and hold dear. My friend Sam Kaiser and his wife Karen are here tonight. Sam uh, started a church in Lincoln, Nebraska, a prison ministry, um, and built a a prison ministry church. Um, He's an amazing man. I hope you get to chat with him a bit afterwards. Um, Many years ago, um, Sam and I were at Church Planter Boot Camp in Sumas, Washington. Church Planter Boot Camp. There is such a thing. Um, At Church Planter Boot Camp, they beat you up for day after day for like a week and forced you to consider all the things that you would need to do and to be if you were going to go start a church from scratch. It was brutal. Um, and, and one of the things that we had to do, um, and I don't know what Sam's values are, but I know what my values were, are now, but at the time we had to write down what we deeply valued, values that mattered to us. And so... I um, I wrote I wrote my what I thought were some good values, and I turned in my assignment. And the facilitator said, "No, that's stupid. That's not who you are. Uh, go back and redo the assignment." Because he's like a drill sergeant, you know. And so I'm like a little ticked. And so I go back and I write down some better values, some nicer values, some other cool things that I value. And I turn it in and he said, no, that's stupid. Go back. Start over. About the fourth time, I'm so mad that I'm maybe not saying bad words because there's a bunch of pastors there, but I'm thinking a lot of them. And, and, I, and I'm pretty upset with the guy and I'm ticked. And he's just relentless. He's rejecting everything. And finally he said, Rod, what do you hate about church? What would make you leave the church you started if they started doing this? It was a stunning question for me. And I remember telling the guy that I would leave the church if they stopped telling the truth about what the Christian walk is really, really like. I said, I hate when churches tell people that if they just offer their lives to Jesus, then everything's going to be okay and their problems are going to go away. Because it's not true. If you give your life to Jesus, your problems are just beginning. You'll have to make ethical and moral decisions you have never had to make before. You will suffer for your faith. You will start living your life according to standards that people around you don't share at all and despise and think are stupid. You'll go to war with your addictions. You'll hate your sin. You will destroy your false identities. You will try to walk in truth. You will give up your demands on how life has to be. You'll lay down your life for your spouse for your family, for others. Life's going to get a whole lot more difficult, not much, much easier. You see, God isn't Santa Claus. He, he, he doesn't just give us good, cool things. 
He doesn't shower us with the perfect job or the perfect spouse or the perfect house or perfect kids or perfect anything. He invites us out of our depravity and into his glorious love, mercy, and grace. He offers us Jesus, and in doing that, he gives us something completely different, a completely different life. Now, it's true, it's a much better life, although you'll suffer. Did you hear what Paul had to go through? Like, did you listen to those words? But it'll be a life that's rooted in reality instead of lies and myths and false beliefs. God invites us into getting real. Let's get real. It's funny that authenticity is best defined by what it isn't. We see what's fake and we more quickly understand what is real. My wife and I are in a constant war over our garden. She likes those plastic pots, plastic pots, because they always look nice. And I like old clay pots that are falling apart and breaking off and have flaws in them. And, and so I buy pots with plants and I put them out there and she goes, oh, get the nice, clean, neat ones. She likes things in rows and I like things bunched. Um, and I say, you're, the plastic pots aren't real. They're, they're not authentic. They're not the, they're just not right. And she says, but they're pretty and they all blend and look nice anyway. So, so we have this thing where we just can't agree on what's real. Um, I was reading this week about various things that you think are real that aren't really real. Kobe beef. You ever had a Kobe beef steak? Well, if it had a bone in it, what you had was not a Kobe beef steak. People use that word, but real Kobe beef is from Japan and it's from a certain herd of cows. And there's only like 12 bulls that have ever, you know, produced these particular cows. And, and so you have to have this particular kind of beef. And if it's, and if it's not, right? Am I, am I right? Thank you. Preach it. <laughs> Tamaki agrees. So there we go. So, <clears throat> so, what we get is fake. It's not real. It's not what that, it's marbled beef, but that's, that's not what it is. Uh, we do the same thing with wasabi. Any wasabi fans? I doubt that you've eaten wasabi. What you've eaten is horseradish that's colored green with, it's sad. Cause real wasabi is different. It's, it's, it, cause you, the world, the areas where you produce wasabi root, there's not enough of that space. There's not enough of that to feed the whole world wasabi. Vanilla is the same way. Unless you're buying vanilla in $300 jars, you're not buying real vanilla. You're buying some chemical mix. Crab. <laughs> Sad, isn't it? Crab meat. See, at least crab, they're smart enough to put the K in front, right? So crab meat, right? The main ingredient in crab meat is a fish paste called surimi. Surimi is often made from pollock fish with fillers and flavorings that include starch, sugar, egg whites, and crab flavoring. Ew. The combination of fish parts, carbs, and sugar are why nutrition isn't 
imitation crab's strongest quality, said the book. It's pretense, right? I, we pretend to be what we're not. What are you pretending to be? Who are you pretending to be? Uh, some of you know that I, I write articles for a real estate magazine. It's actually Danielle's mom is the producer of the magazine. And, and I write articles. And one of the things that I do is I interview real estate agents, uh, the top 150 or something like that, real estate agents in Tucson. And, I, and then I tell their stories. I write their stories. And then it goes out in the magazine. And, and it's really fun because... I get to tell people stories. I get to interview them and I ask lots and lots of questions and I record it and I listen to it and then I write the article and then I send it to the person to make sure I didn't make any technical errors or you know say something that they don't want said or whatever. And and for the most part that works but but a lot of times not at all. Like they go, "Oh, really? That's that's how I am." I just recently wrote an article that I had to completely rewrite because because the person said, oh, I don't want my clients to know that I'm ADD. I, I don't want that out. And I said, how, how sad. I, I would hire you to sell my house because you are ADD. That's like so cool. And I said, and do you think people don't know that you're ADD? <laughs> Because while we're talking, she's got a little sandbox there and she's playing in the sand and she's stacking blocks and like, right? Everybody knows but you, right? What are you pretending to be? But we all do that. We're all pretending to be what we're not. We're all pretending that somehow if, if people don't notice who we really are, don't see us as who we really are, then we'll be okay. So we hide the parts we don't like. And the way to begin to understand who you are is to be in community and to let Jesus define who you are and let the community speak into that. And then you begin to confess and repent the lie that you believe. When I... Back in the day, uh, I studied Wichiru karate. And, and when I studied karate, I, I learned a lot. And, I, um, and one of the things that you had to do was spar with people. And, and in those days, we didn't... It wasn't like today where you have pads and all those good stuff. We, we, when we sparred, we just hit each other. Like that was, um, and, and so until you've been smacked in the jaw once or twice, you go, Oh, that, that hurts, but I, I didn't die. So that's good. And, and so we were, we were fighting and, and, and then the, the sensei would always have, because I was huge, the sensei would always have me fight the black belts, right? The people testing for black belt because they said, hey, you know, I know you're five foot two, but you're going to run into this guy and you're going to have to fight him. So I would always fight people. And then if I didn't try my hardest and try to hurt them because they were black belts, then he would punish me. So I had no mercy. And that became my tagline, Rod no mercy, Hugan, right? That's what they called me, Rod No Mercy Hugan. And then in, 
in, probably in the boot camp, we, we took this thing about our spiritual gifts, and I took the spiritual gifts test, and last on my list of this spiritual gifts assessment thing was mercy. So at the boot camp and other places, they started calling me Rod, no mercy, Hugan, right? So I took on that identity. That becomes an identity. That becomes something that I am. I'm Rod, no mercy, Hugan. I get stuff done. I'm accomplished. I take, I take care of stuff. You hit me, I hit you. That's Rod, no mercy, Hugan. So then I come into community with Eric and Sue and, and Julie and, this, and Keith and this whole little beginning of the village. And at some point, Eric said, you're so full of mercy. You just love hurting people. You care so much. I'm, no, no, not me, man. I'm Rod, no mercy, Hugan. That's my, that's like, I wear that badge. That's who I am. What do you mean, no, Rod the merciful? Hmm. So I have to confess that I do care. I, I cry a lot. I weep for you when you suffer and when you struggle. I do. I sit out in my hot tub in the middle of the night and I pray for people and I just weep. And Jesus weeps with me, by the way. Eric once said, Rod, I look at you and I know people, I, when I'm mad at somebody and I want to make them change and do something and I, and I look at you and I see tears streaming down your face and I go, oh, God's crying. I got to soften who I am. Rod the merciful sounds stupid to my ears even now when I say it. But confessing who I am is to say, I am merciful. Confession is agreeing with God. It's acknowledging reality. Acknowledging the reality of our sin, true, but also acknowledging the truth of who we are in Christ. Most of us either do one of two things. We either ignore our sin, pretend it doesn't matter, or we wallow in it. Some of you are wallowers, right? Oh, I'm just miserable. I can never do anything. I, I'm just hopeless. Baloney. It's wrong. God gives you an identity. He gives you who the, this person who you are that isn't related to what your flaws and what your sin is. It's related to who he is. Identity matters. We, we take on identities all the time. I grew up in Pella, Iowa, a little Dutch community. When I say a little Dutch community, I mean like there were 10,000 people and 9,857 of them were Dutch people. Like and there were a few kind of Germans or something that might have snuck in, but, but <laughs> I, I, I don't know. But, but it was like we were Dutch people and we were proud of it. We had a saying, if you're not Dutch, you're not much. <laughs> Ouch. There's some arrogance in that maybe. A little pretense. 
But you know what's underlying that is fear. A deep, deep fear. The Dutch people came over from the Netherlands and they were afraid and they found this land and they glommed onto each other and gathered in a group and they took care of each other and provided for each other and cared about each other, not around the gospel, but around an ethnicity. Around being Dutch. Ah, somebody speaks Dutch. Thank goodness. Now we're okay. That's a fear. Jesus invites us into community, a community that's diverse and broad. Some of you are saying, well, Rod, you know, you do know that the Dutch people, like, they were the slave traders, right? Like, don't be too proud of that whole Dutch thing. And then I get defensive, right? I say, yeah, but my grandfather, my great-great-grandfather, according to the Pala Vikblot, which was the Dutch newspaper in Pala, Iowa, he gave 50 cents to the Africans Children's Fund to help them. And that was the largest gift that was given, right? Uh, somebody else gave a quarter and somebody else gave a dime and a few people gave nickels. He gave 50 cents, so just so you know, right? I'm one of the good Dutch people, right? We, we try to put ourselves into these categories. We take on identities. We think identities matter, and in this world they do. And we want to identify broadly. And people put us in boxes. Jesus takes on an identity. His identity is the Messiah, the Christ, the one who comes to save us. It's his identity. It is who he is. Mark fourteen sixty one and 2 says, Again, the high priest asked him, Are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One? Do you hear what he's saying? Are you the Messiah? Are you the Christ? Are you the one who came to save? Are you the Son of God? I am, said Jesus. And you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. Jesus holds his identity. He takes it on. For those of you who don't think that Jesus ever announces that he is the Son of God, he does. And he is. He tells the truth. Truth-telling about your identity in Christ. Most of us take on these identities. I'm a Dutchman. I'm Rod No Mercy Hugen. I'm a writer. Some of those things can be true. I do write a lot. Some of those things are true, but they're not my identity. They're not who I am. In Christ, I am a beloved child of the King. I am a beloved child of God. That's who I am. And when I live in that identity and I confess that identity and I speak that truth, then a lot of those other things fall away. And it's good that they do because what they do is present stumbling blocks to each other. Paul says that in the passage. Stumbling blocks. Paul says our goal is not to present any stumbling block. A stumbling block discredits your ministry. It discredits who you are. If you're not a truth teller about who you are, then, then your ministry gets discredited. Because people see that it's not true. When I said 
I'm Rod No Mercy Hugan. People go, uh, that's not the Rod we know. And the hardest thing in my life is to accept the truth of what those people tell me is who I am. Someone who weeps. Because real men didn't weep when I grew up. But I do. So I'm either not a real man, or it's okay to weep. And real men should weep. Because this world is broken, and it's hurting, and it's messed up. The other thing that Paul says is that we are to speak freely. Paul says that he speaks freely. He speaks of who he really is. That's what you're invited into. Speak the truth. Speak the truth to each other. Speak who you really are. I weep. I cry for people. I pray for them. I hurt for them. There's sin attached to that. I want to fix them. (laughs) Right? Eric always says, Rod, you're no good at fixing things, but you're really good at crying. Just cry and let other people fix it. Right? (laughs) Right? Because it's true. It's true. Know who you are, but know who you aren't also. Paul says to open your heart. To speak freely is to open your heart. Open your heart. He opens his heart to the Corinthians, and he invites them to open their hearts back. Opening your heart means to tell the truth about who you are. When you're wounded, say, I'm wounded. When I'm hurting, you say, I'm hurting. When you're broken, you say, I'm broken. When you say, I'm sinning and screwed up, you you say it. You speak it. You share it. That's what authenticity is. That's the nature of authenticity, to be honest about the realities of who you are. Of course, that's high risk, isn't it? (laughs) That's why we don't do it. It's high risk. People will misuse you and abuse you and mistreat you and lie about you and laugh at you and mock you and hurt you. But it's still the invitation. If you want to begin that journey of being authentic, go to Jesus tonight, pray. Ask Jesus who you are. Say, Jesus, would you tell me who I am? Who I really am? Would you reveal to me who I am in you? And then when you hear what you hear, check it with your community, right? Because sometimes we don't hear correctly. So check with the people that you trust here in this community, with your leaders, with the people that that are part of your pilgrim group or, or your monastic community. Go to them and say, here's what I think I am. Check with that. Speak freely, open your hearts, but consider others. Some of us are, hey, I'm just being real, you know. I'm, I'm going to, and we destroy people with our words. We say the meanest things, and you say, hey, don't hold me accountable. I'm just being honest. I'm just being real. That's not real. That's killing people. Stop it. Don't destroy other people. My mother used to say, keep your words soft and sweet. You'll never know which ones you'll eat. Um, And so think about what you're going to say to others. But choose to risk 
take the risk, take the plunge. Go ahead and say to others who you truly are. Allow them to speak into your life. Allow them to offer grace and mercy that God does through his church, through his community. And you know what? Expect slapbacks. I call them slapbacks. Satan hates you. He will destroy you. He will do everything in his power to destroy you. That's what he does. So expect slapbacks. That doesn't mean that you pull your punches. That doesn't mean that you say, okay, I'm just not going to talk about it because if I don't talk, then nobody knows. Then I'm okay. Then I can hide it. No, you're kind of like the girl that's trying to hide her ADD. It's not going to work, right? It's kind of like saying, Rod, you're doing a really great job of hiding your ADD. Right? doesn't work. You already know. And Satan will use that and he will try to destroy you and he will try to make you scurry back into hiding who you are. If you don't believe, say, I don't believe. If you, if you say, I, I'm struggling with believe, then say, believing, then say, I struggle with believing. If you say, I don't think God's good to me right now, then say, I don't think God's good to me right now. It's okay. God can handle truth. Don't wallow there, you wallowers. Move. And then walk in the freedom of truth. Walk in the freedom of truth-telling. Part of the greatest part of authenticity, the hugest, biggest, most important part of authenticity is walking in the freedom of truth. Regardless of what others think of me, Here's who I am. Here's who Jesus says I am. Here's who God says I am. The world may or may not agree. You may suffer. You may struggle. You probably will. Walk in that freedom. You say, well, Rod, why should we do all this? It's better to just walk, just be false and fake, and then you don't have to suffer. Yeah, but then you miss out on the delightful glory of the presence of God in your life who's there walking with you and holding you and often sits across the hot tub from me when I'm in the middle of the night, 3 o'clock in the morning because my ADD brain doesn't work and I'm praying for you and I'm weeping and I look and his tears are falling too. And you'll miss that if you don't walk this path. Get real. Be authentic. Any questions, pushbacks, thoughts, concerns? Rod, you're nuts. Oh, got a hand in the back. Okay, this sermon really hit home for me because I have, like, a hard time accepting certain parts of myself and like at work like people don't know it's mostly just like having the label of being mentally ill I have a very difficult time with it Mm -hmm. and I know it's real but I don't like dealing with the repercussions of having that label and I am afraid of it so nobody knows at work and it's great it's like I have a total escape and I totally pull it off and I'm able to perform and, you know, like, I mean, and nobody thinks anything different of me. But I do have this, like, you know, when I hear stuff like this, it's like, is this the right way to do it? 
I don't know. Right. Because I don't like being a victim. I don't want to be a victim. I want to be fine. Right. That's the, that's the longing, right? Is I want to be okay. But then, like I can talk to this ADD lady and I'm going, oh, I can so identify. It's crazy being ADD. And suddenly we have a bond <laughs> that we wouldn't have had. Matter of fact, I told her, if I bought a house, I'd buy the house from the crazy ADD lady, right? Like, because I identify with who you are. I get it. Nobody gets... <laughs> people that's, don't get it, though. That, I'm and, sorry, people and, don't and, get it. And it's that's a- what we believe. Uh, I think that's true. And that's what I'm talking about. What is the risk, right? To say, I struggle with mental health issues. My my son does, right? And I... Uh, s- severe ones. And he's agoraphobic and he never leaves the house. And it's really hard sometimes for him to say, this is right now, this is truth about me but when he did when he was in the hospital a few years ago and almost died all of a sudden all his friends on facebook and all his friends that he does gaming with were contacting me going what's going on with derek and then they started telling he's so open about his agoraphobia he's so open about his mental illness it's encouraged me because you're not the only one that's the thing right we always think we're the only one we're not they're all around us they're all around you here. Someone else? Julie. I think a big part of being able to open, be open um, with different parts of who we are requires that we come to terms ourselves with who we are, especially in the various weaknesses that we have. Um, because there will be people who don't understand. And and the question is, does that mean, like, does that mean that you suck? No. Um, does that mean that this person doesn't understand you? Yeah. Does Jesus understand you? Yeah. And so, like, what I find is that the more I'm able to be okay before Jesus with whatever I'm experiencing, the easier it is to share who I am and not demand that people understand who I am. One more, maybe? All right. Oh, or Zeke, on your way. So... It's like, so Satan grabs you, and then you're on the bottom, and then he's on the top, and he's ready to throw punches at you, and that's the sin. But if you have a relationship with God, God comes in and rescues you from Satan. He, yeah. Nobody's ever said it better. Thanks, Zeke. And you get to follow that. <laughs> I have a question. I have believed that there are places and people who are intrinsically unsafe and that part of wisdom is understanding that and not necessarily sharing everything you know with those kind of people. And so my question is, you know, talk about a work environment. Work environments can often be that way. So am I confused about that? 
would, would no, you speak I, I, to? No, I agree. I, I, I said trusted people within the community, right? I mean, there there's certainly a time to be silent, and I hope you hear that, and I hope you hear that. Like, there is a time to be silent. But if the silence is motivated by fear rather than motivated by this is just not a wise, good time to do this because of where the person's at or maybe where you're at, then I think that's the, the key. Let's uh, close in prayer. Father, um, thank you for your authenticity. Thank you that you made yourself real to us in Jesus Christ. Thank you that you call us to live authentic lives, to speak the truth, the truth about our sin, the truth about our struggles and our pain and our suffering, the truth about our victimhood, the truth about the lies we believe, but also, Father, help us to speak the truth of who you are. Help us to speak the truth of who we are in you. Pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.